Music from the motion picture The Wedding Singer. Featuring hits from Billy Idol, David Bowie, Ellen Dow with the Sugar Hill Gang, Elvis Costello, Musical Youth, Culture Club, New Order, Psychedelic Furs, The Police, Adam Sandler, The President of the United States of America, The Smiths, The Thompson Twins, and now available The Wedding Singer Volume 2 with even more of your favorite 80s hits like Hacha Goo Goo. Lizards. As always, I'm coming in hot like a streaking comet through the night. Like like Disney on that roll of uh, films from 92 to 94. It's probably like 90 is more. Well, 89, Little Mermaid. They had a good run. You had a good run. You had a good run, kiddo. I mean, look, I, I just finished the book Disney War. And in the book, they talk about what a failure the Emperor's New Groove is. And I was like, God, capitalism clearly failing us once again by using its filthy money-making metrics to determine the failure in the face of what is clearly one of the great works of art in the last 20 centuries. I, I will never understand it. Instead I'm just of, never going to understand it. Instead of the 21st century, I called it the last, last 20th century. century. But I stand by that. Yeah, what well, in the last 20 centuries has made people that happy? The Emperor's New Groove, we've talked about it before, is just such a genuinely great movie. It's such a terrible title for a wonderful movie. What is it... Well, it's you know, it's a of pun the on the em- it's a pun on the emperor's new clothes, which is already kind of an obscure fairy tale. Yeah, I mean, there's not like a lot of groove in it, other than throwing off his groove. No. But I guess if you mean like vibe, attitude, he changed his attitude. It's a new attitude. The emperor's chill vibe playlist. <laughs> <laughs> He's the hippest cat in the night. Beware the groove. Beware feel- the groove. It feels like all of that was added to justify the, the title. title groove. Yeah. Because it was going to be called, of course, Kingdom of the Sun. Perfect world begins and ends with us. Cusco. Yeah. If you want to talk about like a major overhaul of writing being successful, and maybe yeah. by their definition it wasn't successful, but in the minds and hearts of the public it was. Um, yeah. What a successful change that they did yeah. because a true masterpiece. And David Spade doesn't get enough credit for all Here's of that. Here's what I'm going to say that people aren't going to want to hear. Probably wouldn't have been that good as a drama. Definitely not. And here's why. Here's why. Disney was chasing that Lion King high mm-hmm. so hard in the 90s. Right. Like Pocahontas is a movie that is screaming like, take me seriously. But like it also for financial reasons has to include a funny animal sidekick. Like, don't worry, he doesn't talk. But there's two funny animal sidekicks and a third if you count the pug. Oh, yeah. yeah Governor no, Radcliffe's 100%. pug. Governor Radcliffe has a funny assistant who's just voiced by the same guy who plays Governor Radcliffe. Like, okay, but that man, I, I, I made it myself. Genius. <laughs> comedic genius. See how I glitter. Yeah. Comedic well, genius. Anyway, comedic genius. Great, great actor. David Ogden Steers. Great actor. Comedic genius. That cartoon, not him. Um, sorry, I should. Savages, savages, I love Pocahontas. I understand all the reasons it's problematic. It's I understand all the reasons it's historically inaccurate. I understand the, you know, white saviorism message it puts forward. I get all of that. Love Pocahontas because that music Look, can't be matched. I try to keep a low n- number of deeply offensive things that I like. Mm-hmm. And um, look, Aladdin ekes out Pocahontas. If we're going oh. for, if we're going for Disney movies that are a rough watch in 2021, Aladdin is a pretty rough watch. But like, I, I'll take that because at least that's like, 
At least there aren't any white people in it. Like, all the actors are white people, which is really bad. Yeah. And at least Pocahontas is voiced by a Native American lady when she talks, if not when she sings. Like, at least the actors in that are the right ethnicity. But, on the other hand, at least the characters in Aladdin are all are all uh, Arabian people. And, like, yeah, the adventures they're on are highly stereotypical and not great. But, like, I would argue that Aladdin is even maybe more sexist than it is racist. I mean, yes. (laughs) Like, it's both very much, but it might be more sexist than it is racist. Either way, Aladdin's kind of a tough watch in 2021, but it's really good. It's good. It's good. And that's the struggle. But I really enjoy the music of Pocahontas because Mm -hmm. it... I mean, if it wasn't so problematic, I think it could have made a really good Broadway musical. Like, yeah. they definitely, it has the makings of that. The way, especially the song Savages builds, like, yeah. that's ter- it, it's terrible. But well, that the, the one's music on is good. That yeah. one's on purpose. That being said, I don't necessarily like the equating of the the defense of Native Americans being equated with the actual bigotry of white people. That might No, be no. It, it, that is the great. problem. Can we 100% do one of these that? podcasts without earnestly trying to do racism no, talking? No, we can't because yeah. it's in all of the things I that feel we like, like. I always bring it up and then you have to talk about it. Is it because I'm always thinking about it? Of course. But um, no, I, I was just trying to shove that book I read recently. Even worse, I was a guy trying to insert the book he just read into the conversation, <laughs> which might be worse than bringing up racism all the time. Uh, I don't know about that, though. Um, and actually now I don't know about my I don't know about it. <laughs> um, wait, I totally had a, a thought about it though. Wait, why oh, did I bring up Pocahontas? Because it would be a good Broadway oh, musical. Oh, Emperor's New Groove is why oh, we were talking but about But real it. quick, you know there's, you know that Tarzan was not their first choice for the next Disney Broadway musical. Oh God, right? no. You know that Michael Eisner was looking at the list and he's like, probably shouldn't try to do Pocahontas again. And he was like, <laughs> Hunchback of Notre Dame, oi. And then he was like, uh, uh, Phil Collins did Tarzan. Do, tar- do Tarzan, do Tarzan. <laughs> and they were all like, are you sure? Because it's kind of weird to do a musical where like half the characters are apes and giant spiders and woolly mammoths. And he's like, no, nah, Tarzan, do Tarzan. It works, I think. In the Again, in the book I just read, the, the journalist who wrote the book did a couple interviews with Michael Eisner. And he's always describing like the kind of hectic schedule of like, we're getting in a limousine and we're driving across Manhattan. And then we have to accept an award at 9 p.m. And then we have to attend a table read of Tarzan at, at, at you know, 10 oh, the next morning, whatever. Life. All this crazy stuff. And uh Phil Collins is one of the famous people who gives Michael Eisner this award. And then later they're at a table read for the Tarzan Broadway musical. Phil Collins is there, of course, having written the score. He wrote uh, something like nine new songs for the Broadway version. Anyway. Mm. And like I was just – I had that moment of like, oh, yeah, Tarzan did go to Broadway, didn't it? Because like Hunchback of Notre Dame is a Disney stage musical and they did it with professional actors like Patrick Page. But like they didn't didn't go go to to Broadway. Broadway. They did it at the paper mill playhouse. Yeah. yeah. And then they let people license it. But like – I don't know. It's just, it's like, you know, that wasn't their first choice. Definitely not. But the music of Phil Collins does speak for itself, but mm. it doesn't speak for a Broadway show. Like, that's the confusion to me because no yeah. one in the mo- no one in the movie is singing his songs. The only song sung is by Turk and the other um, just stop monkeys. Oh, yeah. Part of that song. Oh, is that Helen Mirren or Glenn Close? Um, I think it might be Helen Mirren because Glenn Close is in, um, in 101 Dalmatians. I always thought. Cruella just reminded me of Glenn Close. I didn't know it was her. No, it's her, and she's fantastic. And she and John Hughes had a fight on the set of that movie 
um, because she was she was talking about doing the movie with Disney, and she was like, "I'll do it, but I need you to change these oh, things in yes, the script." Yes, I think I remember telling. And that. John Hughes, who wrote Home Alone, was working on the script. Well, he wrote a million things, Breakfast Club, and mm-hmm. but like he wrote Home Alone, he didn't direct it. He directed The Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles and all those movies. And so he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll change those twelve lines of dialogue." And then he didn't, and Glenn Close got on the set, and she was like, "If you're not going to change it, I just won't do the movie. I don't want to like mess with John Hughes, but like this is annoying. Like right. you said, you would change these." And then he like angrily faxed them like ten of the twelve lines changed, and they were like, "He changed uh, these ones." She was like, "All right, I guess I'll do it." And <laughs> and goddamn it, she's the best part does of. Does she any come movie. back in the second yes, one? Yes, she does. She returns, yeah. and she is honest to God. One hundred and two Dalmatians isn't a good movie. No, but. But her performance. Glenn Close gives the performance of a lifetime. She is like, look, I don't like this whole, there's no new ideas anymore. We just have to remake old things. You know I'm not in favor of that one. Mm-hmm. But God damn it, if I could not use five or six more movies worth of Glenn Close as Cruella DeVille, and I'm not even talking about like playing the villain in something. I'm talking about just do a movie where the fur industry is really good and we're rooting for Cruella DeVille <laughs> to violently murder innocent puppies. Because as Isn't much as- what that new movie is going to be about? I mean, no. Didn't you see the trailer? Emma Stone is the Joker. That movie well, you're not. Some people root for the Joker. <laughs> Molly, I don't know if you know this, but we live in a society. I just, it makes me mad that um, Cruella DeVille can't smoke anymore. I know, buddy. I, know. I just, I look- Smoking is bad. We shouldn't encourage smoking. Maybe smoking shouldn't be in movies for children. I will concede all of that. But people smoke in real life. And it's, it's oh, smoking and things makes you more likely to smoke. Mm-hmm. Possible. But not to do the whole false equivalence thing, but like, you do know that people like drink in movies and that's a thousand makes percent. More, oh, it makes you more likely to drink. Yes. Yeah, no, I'm not saying take it out. I mean, I don't think it should be in children's movies, but I don't think the new Cruella DeVille movie is being marketed as a children's film. Well, that's also absurd bullshit because she's Cruella DeVille. Yeah. She is I mean, a Disney cartoon. She's from a novel. I will concede that 101 Dalmatians is based on a novel, but it's like a child-appropriate novel. Yeah, I mean- you know. I don't think smoking is any worse than killing puppies. And like, that's where the lines. Like, that's what's but very to funny. Be to be fair, a child is more likely to be able to probably smoke than like sell puppies fur. That's, I think it's interesting. I think children are less able to smoke now in the modern era because it's like now people are a little more strict about asking for IDs and you also have to be 21 to smoke now instead of 18. So it's not, you know, it's a little, I would say it's harder for a child to smoke, but also I mean, people never used to vape. And then when that became a thing, it's not like it had to be in TV shows for it to suddenly be a quote-unquote epidemic of vaping. No, absolutely not. It's not going to – it doesn't create an epidemic having the people on TV do it. But it makes – if you are someone that smokes, it will make you more likely to smoke. And we're not going to – let's – we can't sit here and pretend that it doesn't look cool. We don't take (laughs) – I'm sorry. I'm smoking. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're right. It's bad. Oh, my God. Why didn't I listen to you? (laughs) I was choking on something and I thought I'd try to cover it. And it actually really cleared my throat out like immediately. So next time you're choking, just start screaming, everyone, because I feel fine. He's got tears in his eyes. (laughs) I got tears in my eyes, cash in the bank, and Um, a bad little mama with ass in my face. I'm going to lick that stick, that breaker off. Kit Kat snucker in backstage. You don't need a wristband. Dope. My crew is ill. And all we need is two good wheels here on WKLC in the morning. I'm Danny. She's Molly. 
It's a Christmas. We um, never introduced ourselves. No, we haven't even gotten okay, okay. into Wait, before you go, I just have to say we wouldn't play with fake cigarettes all the time if we didn't think smoking was cool. We grew up in a house with a of a, a father who smoked mm-hmm. with a family history of addiction. We are predisposed to be the smokeriest people. We watch tons of movies and cartoons where people smoke, and we're fine. We don't smoke, but we we do love a good fake cigarette. I love fake cigarettes, but I never smoke. And I know plenty of people who do smoke, and I'm always confused because it's like, why? Why? Like, we know it's bad for you. What are you doing? But, but, but we also know a lot of people who who drink to excess, but, you know, we don't do anything about it. But that one friends. I get it. Like, at least you get, like, silly. You know, like, you don't yeah. get silly if you smoke a cigarette. Well, smoking is addictive. Chemically. I don't get how you start. That's my thing. It's kind of like, you know, Adam Sandler's bit about like, um, you know, I never knew how to do a flip because like, how do you practice? <laughs> like, I never understood yeah. how people got addicted to cigarettes because I could never even smoke one because of how sheerly terrible it is that I could become addicted. Like, I, I don't get how they do it. So Clearly, plenty of people do. Sandman, that's too much. Sandman, that is too much. I'm Danny. I'm Molly. This is The Pants Are Too Tight. It's the best name for a podcast ever. Um, you notice we did our names backwards. We did, and it really threw off the thing because I. It threw off your groove. <laughs> threw off my groove. Beware the groove. Beware the groove. This is the pants are too tight. It's the best um, for a podcast ever. <laughs> it's a show about um, the little things that we obsess little over. Little things in life. They make life worth living. They make life a hell. They make people sort of sweat under the collar. And then you start to sort of just, it's pooling there and you could feel it, but it's really cold against your skin, but you're still hot. So you're not comfortable. And your body's trying to cool you down and you're conscious of that. And you're like, thanks, body. I appreciate the effort. But like, I'm now covered in water mm-hmm. and I'm trying to walk. So somebody else might have said, it's kind of like when your pants are too tight. Um, and. <laughs> No. And, no. you know, you notice it and it bothers you. It's not enough to, like, ruin your life, but you're aware of it the <laughs> whole time. And I'll tell you, because you can't stop thinking about it because every action you take involves your pants being on you. Yeah. And, like, you're not yeah. going to, like, you know, gi- just give up because of it. But you're going to, like, mention it kind of to every person you interact yeah. with. be like, how are you? I'm like, honestly, my pants are a little too tight today. I'm a little uncomfortable. The name made sense at the time. It's a great name for our podcast. Best podcast ever. Um, this is a year of the this pants are the, too tight. Oh, yes. Um, Molly, would you like to sing our anniversary song? It's your anniversary. Well, I was trying to do with the lady in Phineas and Ferb and the heart does. Oh, oh. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I, don't I was remember. thinking of the um, the Haunted Mansion, that couple at the bar, the tiki bar. Oh. They sing like happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, happy anniversary, Danny. Happy anniversary, Molly. So it's not our anniversary of recording, but it's the month of our release. Acquaintance be forgot and never brought to light. So it's a year of singing, a year of fun voices, a year of madness. <laughs> um, and we want to thank all of our listeners out there who've been with us over the last year. And we'd like to say goodbye. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've been with us through a lot. And, and uh, uh, we years. didn't make it out to the other we side. We didn't make it. We couldn't do it. <laughs> we failed. <laughs> I mean, it's been a year and we've recorded uh, what? We're in our 20s. That's not bad. It's not. Like, we started we should, out- We should have 52. We should. We, we started out doing it every week, and we really- Did we ever get these out weekly? This is, like we, a, this is barely a monthly podcast. Let me be clear. We used to record every week. We did not- 
I used to be a renegade and I used to Did he used to have more time to edit in the beginning yeah. of the we both had more time in the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Um the and then it just we, we well things happened. You know, there things was changed. there was an election, there was yeah. school, work, um at Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Um there wasn't I we used didn't to watch not, that this I year. used to really not be a big fan of Ghostbusters and I just I don't know. I'm not. I, I I've come to I hated record. Ghostbusters and I've come to really love it. You know, I need to watch it as an adult though. I think it just wasn't for me as a child. Maybe. It gets weird. I again, I was never a big fan. I always thought it was overrated and I watched it recently and I just I really turned around on Ghostbusters. I did dress up. I had a Stay Puft Marshmallow in pajamas when I was like a teen and I I wore them once for Halloween just as like a sure Yes, we talked about that in our Halloween costume one. Probably, who cares? We've um we've had a, a good year. I think we've covered a lot of topics. Yeah, yeah. Um, we haven't gotten to some that we've alluded to, including our Disney Channel and Nickelodeon crossovers. Yeah, I know we've got some people waiting on those, and we will get to it. It's not going to be a Matt Damon thing. Like we will get to them, but uh, who's Matt Damon? Um, I declined to comment. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um. What are your thoughts on this last year doing you know, a podcast? You know, Molly, couldn't have gone better. Things might have been different. Couldn't have been better. A fridge just turned on behind us, and it's a fridge that has nothing in it, and that I could easily unplug. Stop staring. Stop looking around, you fucking goo. I thought you meant the old fridge that it's used to right be behind down here. me. It I just turned on. That there's a fridge over there. I thought you meant that fridge. They're both mini fridges. We're not rich people with crazy numbers of fridges. Although we used to have three full-size fridges in this home. Too much. Yeah. What happened to the one that was down here? Did we give that to someone? We got rid of it because we, we did... didn't need it. Um, I feel like it broke, right? You know, I don't know if it broke or not. It might have broke. We might have just not needed it. It might have broke. Um, I used to use it for my magic talking kitchen. Um, yeah. if you put the little like food they gave you in the freezer, it would turn colors. Like they made it so that like, that's kind of great. It was, yeah. no, it was awesome. So like, it would be like a cupcake with blue icing, but if you put it in the freezer, you'd have pink icing. It was like a really big deal at the time. I really wanted this fucking kitchen. Ooh, Molly, I have a million dollar idea. Ooh. Uh, gender reveal cupcakes that when you put them in a fridge, they explode and kill millions. Oh, that sounds great. That's a really good idea. Um, I've really enjoyed the last year. It's been really awesome getting to do a podcast because we talked about this for years. So it was nice to actually get down and do it. Um, yeah. And the fact that 20 people have heard this. Okay. You always belittle our number. We had a lot of views in the beginning. Molly, I'm not belittling our number. The fact that 20 people are subscribed and that, you know, out of those, maybe five listen to an episode. That's great. You are completely, you always make the podcast You're sound You're literally so bad. dressed like Princess Fiona. I don't know why you think you're not. Uh, you have always looked a little bit like like human Fiona. Well, from the really, thank track. you for emphasizing the. Human I wanted to be clear part. that you have none of the traits I, of I ogre Fiona. I thought that I did as well. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I could probably play her in a park. Cameron Diaz, the first time she saw that, ran out of the room screaming when she saw the CGI Fiona talking with her voice. She was terrified. Why? Well, she wasn't terrified. She was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Because it's like it looks kind of like her, but it not does. a lot. It does. Yeah. And she was like, it's like my sister. It's like me, but it's not. And it's in a computer. And it's like, oh, yeah. I get. But then you realize like her first movie was The Mask and she probably should have understood CGI a little bit. No, but you know what? Like that would have totally been my reaction. I mean, yeah. When Kirsten Dunst, when they showed her uh, in Spider-Man the video game they had mm -hmm. to get her approval for the likeness of her mm -hmm. and uh her one note was like hey guys the, 
the boobs are too big. Please stop mm, giving, stop putting shocker. giant boobs on people. No, shocker's in the video game. He's he's like the second boss. Wow. Of the game. Yeah, he's he's in the sewers. And if you there's a cheat code where you can instead of Spider Man, you play a shocker throughout the game. It just puts the shocker model on Spider-Man and then there's one where you type in girl next door to the Spider-Man game and then you play as Mary Jane in Ooh. her yeah in that red dress that she wears to the Thanksgiving Day Parade the probably culturally problematic one yeah. probably yeah and then uh, at the end of the game when Spider-Man kisses Mary Jane it's just a Mary Jane kissing a Mary Jane and so then they took that code out of the game because people were scared of lesbians at the time mm. you know you just kind of unlocked a little bit of something in my head there was definitely some fascination in the fashion industry in the early 2000s with Asian culture um, oh, yeah. clothing wise, because like if you really look at like I can clearly picture some Hillary Duff music videos in so that's kind of a similar yeah. outfit, not quite a kimono, but kimono esque inspired um, mm -hmm. clothing with the chopstick things in the hair. Like. That's a big thing. The little um, not even buns, but like the little. Uh, giraffe hair thingies that like Miley Cyrus has now. Like, well, oh. actually, five years ago, Miley Cyrus, because I'm behind yeah. the times. Those little giraffe thingies on the back of the head, mm -hmm. and then usually with sticks going through them, was like a mainstream fashion thing, mm -hmm. which is clearly like a westernization of the um, the Asian hair bun with, with the, the with the I don't remember what yeah. you were talking about with Miley Cyrus. I know she had. Um... No, I just was trying to think of. How to describe having two, two knobs plums. on the head that are smaller than I guess small pigtails. Well, that's buns. I know a appropriation of um, African culture. Interesting. Those, um, there's I think they're called like some type of knots. I'm blanking on the name. I don't know. Um, but I I'm remember the the sticks in the in the bun look because I. Yeah. You know, very much. I remember like wanting to have those so badly as yeah. a kid because, like, they were like. I mean, London Tipton was Asian, but like I know she had that. Um, yeah. Ashley Tisdale, I feel like some outfit. It was either her, or Hillary Duff had some outfit like that. Some it was an lady. interesting um, fashion. Yeah, a lot of thing. early two thousand stuff feels like we're just kind of taking a little bit of Japanese stuff. And then just kind of like trying to make it American. Mm. And I'm painting with a broad cultural brush. Can we stop talking about racism in movies? We're so <laughs> we're white, so Molly. White. And we never know what we're talking about. No, but like in the early 2000s, I feel like there's a lot of like, okay, so like Blade Runner is like the first time Americans really get a taste of like just taking Asian stuff and saying the future is kind of like this. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, like it's it's kind of just like Tokyo and then they put like a blimp and they're like the future. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's, that we really have to this day stuck with that. That is the future is still just like, could you imagine if you ate noodles on the street? Like that's a big scene in Blade Runner is Harrison Ford's just like, yeah, no noodles. I'm going to eat them on the street. And, and but then, why weren't they right? Because food trucks, my God. <laughs> apparently. And so, uh, you know, and then uh, so like that kind of, it all just kind of distorts you know, into like the future is Japanese inspired. And then in the early 2000s, everybody's wearing like uh, plastic colored goggles, <laughs> like like neon green and orange, just goggles everywhere. And like, it's the stupidest possible yeah. version of like Tokyo future getting boiled down, you know, like crop tops have fringes on the edge of yeah. them and stuff and it's like all of this is like kind of trying to be the future or like think of the way a video now player looks and it's like that's a blade runner prop that you colored bright orange because it's the early 2000s and we don't know how colors work anymore mm. and it's just kind of like it all feels like distantly related to to uh the west's idea of japan i mean for and sure. maybe that's a racist thought that i have 
But I, I mean, it would make sense that we would uh, completely steal from another culture. Um, I wonder if the idea that the future is so, um, you know, inspired by Tokyo is that like, is there this idea that the Japanese are going to take over in the future? Like, is that what that's inspired by? Because that seems Maybe. like an American. That's a fear. very that was a real refrain in like 2010 times yeah that was like the num like any show you watched yeah. every joke was like and the chinese are taking over which is like such I a know. blatantly it was, racist we, we, well we went i feel like from japanese to chinese to north korea is is how the asian yes. um idea well the idea that asia was going to take us over we sort of as america seem to go for like so, like I don't know like not even like a villain because we do always have a villain at any given yeah. time in history but we always kind of have like a, a complex about some other country oh, yeah. where it's like they're ahead of us and that's bad I remember so many times in elementary school oh to middle school people, exactly people would not shut up about like you know Chinese kids are so ahead of you the Chinese yeah. kids are so much smarter the Chinese kids you know they don't have a Saturday and that's why the Chinese kids can do math better than you and it's like ignoring how blatantly racist that was to hear yeah. from teachers it was teachers like, grandparents like it was I mean I think that was just the idea and What's ridiculous about it is, you know, I don't know a lot about specific countries. I don't, but I certainly know there are plenty of European countries ahead of us as well. But we were never concerned about the fact that every other European country is better at any of these things than us. It was just China. Yeah, You know why it is? Like, at least genuinely, I believe why it is, is because there basically there is this thought in America and it was pushed by Henry Ford that shocker i know what a shock that 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 you can trace bad stuff in history back to that guy no but it, it's around the time of, of henry ford like that mm -hmm. era the idea being that education is not about learning it's about preparing you for a job and it is about uh getting you ready for some very specific thing and that's why the curriculums in schools are built around the things that they are it's about math and uh, basic reading and writing because those are the things that you needed to be able to do to have a job in like middle management not to work the floor at a, at a mm. car plant or something but to sit in the office and do the books which is the kind of work that they didn't have enough people to do so basically when people complain that somewhere like china is ahead of us it is because china uh is is uh essentially good at making money they they are good at manufacturing goods and are therefore uh considered worthy of envy in a mm. capitalist sense even though china is still technically a communist uh, right. uh country because they make more money because they make more product because their their citizens are being trained to do something right. and it is this very cynical thought of education as a tool for preparing you for a job not for learning about the world seeing what you might like to do europe on the other hand, oh, when, when we say they're ahead of us, quote unquote, Europe is not, they give people vacation time. And Americans think that's so funny and crazy that in Europe you get to enjoy life at some point. You know, like, oh, you don't oh. have as much money on you and you get to live your life. Ha ha, you fools. You know? Yeah. So they're not, quote unquote, ahead of us because they're not working themselves to death before 30. Interesting. So is this, I'm sorry, and I know you don't, mean this in any insulting way i'm just am i making this up? i'm like is this based on fact or is this just your opinion it's of the world no it's partly based on okay, fact the yeah. henry ford stuff is true like, okay that's yeah a, that's okay. a fact i'm trying to extrapolate you're deducting a, a 
Deducing. Deducing. Deducing, okay. dear Watson. No, I'm assuming that that's why people would be jealous of somewhere like China, which famously manufactures a, a bulk of yeah. the world's goods, versus Europe. And the vacation time thing is a bit of a stereotype of Europe. I'm not I sure. I mean, it's true, though. They do get it, more vacation they time. They do. And, yeah. and so, I mean, definitely that. Um, definitely the racism. But again, white guy in America don't have a great international right. view of the world. I'm just saying that, like, I think part of it is... They look different from us and they make more money and yeah. that scares us. Whereas in Europe, they might have a higher quality of life and that you don't get we, to hear we about We don't that. get to know that we should be jealous of Exactly. That. You don't get to know right. because you might start demanding well, fair Well, because it, that doesn't stuff. sound evil. You know, this idea, I mean, it's just like with the debt, right? We, the, there's this narrative our whole lives, like we're so in debt to China and they're mm -hmm. going to take over us. Like at any minute they could decide that they want their money and we're done for, which like isn't how it works. And I really thought that that was how it worked until yeah. like a few, like a month ago when John Oliver <laughs> did the thing on national debt. Like, okay, I, I probably didn't. Oh, it's really good. It really yeah. helped. Um, it again, just reminded me that Elizabeth Warren has just been fighting for the public this whole time. And you and your, you and your politicians. Look, she is the only one. All I'm going to say is that we should never, uh, Look up to uh, anyone. <laughs> Never look up to a public well, that's the figure. Thing. You know, you really can't anymore because there's a problem with everyone. But I, I stand by it. You know, she's done a lot of uh, some yeah. questionable things as well. But as far as genuinely fighting for people, I'm going to say she's one of the only ones out there. Look, you can have that opinion and I can respect you and I can uh, do this thing where I patronize you and I act like you're a simpleton. Well, um, when you eventually get your student loan debt canceled... Molly, you better thank her. It's never going to happen. I'm going to die penniless. We all are. Anyway, uh, Molly, this is not a show about politics. It's why is not this show, show about always about racism, racism and debt? Why can't we talk about... That's what every media is based in. Do you not remember that the original pitch for this show is that we would just talk about movies? Okay. And then we were like, too many people talk about movies. movies. Yeah. No, yeah. I remember. I remember. <laughs> but that's the problem. All the movies have things like this. I was like, we got to get more niche, Molly. Well, yeah. Danny was like, we got to be more specific. And so we went with the things we obsess over. And apparently this is one of them is racism and to say that everything. In 2021, all anyone obsesses over anymore is problematic media by giant mm. corporations and capitalism. Mm. That's all we think about. It's yeah, exhausting. It is. It's so exhausting. I did have like a good mental breakdown about it the other day. Oh, it's it's when you like, okay, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Never mind. I don't feel like it. I was just yeah. going to say that like <laughs> entertainment is great and I love entertainment and I love to watch it. But sometimes I'm like, what's the point in expressing enjoyment of any thing made by a company? What's the point of being like, man, I love that new Batman movie? Because as much as the new Batman movie is wonderful entertainment and it's great to watch, it's not some work of art by an artist. It's just a product by a corporation it's like saying man oreos are good like yeah hey, oreos oreos are fantastic i love oreos but like i don't ever feel the need to run around being like here's my new review of oreos it's like why can't i just enjoy things by corporations without treating them like they're part of my personal identity and then i'm like well because entertainment is part of your personal identity right. and we live in the culture we live in and whether or not i like it i don't have to throw my arms up in the air and say i refuse to participate in the culture i live in because that's silly because i can't stop because i live here and i live on this particular version of earth so no matter what country i move to batman is still property the, of a company danny the, the point is that it makes you happy it's <laughs> supposed to make you happy and it, it is harder to enjoy things when you have to think about all these things i think we're better off for it but it does make enjoying things a little bit harder um none of this is the topic for I today i just heard we're... ryan cough on the stairs <laughs> <laughs> he clears his throat so loud i can't hear the television he's watching but no, i heard, I heard, him heard go, that 
<laughs> it's a bitchy ahem. It is. Um, <laughs> and I don't throw that word around around lightly. God, I can't talk anymore. Molly, uh, we should cancel this podcast. It's, so we're a half hour in, Danny, and we have to touch the topic. Cut it down. Take 10 minutes out of the middle. No one will notice. <laughs> what if there's a joke? You're the, the editor. Um, if there's a sudden... The joke, actor? <laughs> Today's... You gotta go back in time. So this isn't a podcast about politics. Um, Get back, Marty. Um, it's a podcast about the things that uh, we obsess over, both good and bad. And today is uh, a good one. These are, um, we're going to talk about, as I mentioned, the last two episodes, um, songs that were written specifically for movies. Um, not songs that are, you know, per se, like in a movie, like a song that you like that's iconically attached to a movie. Yeah. Like, no, it's a song that was written for a movie that like you're really not going to hear on the radio or like, well, now you're, most people don't listen to the radio, but you're not going to really just hear in the general listening of things I'm because gonna it's you from spiral a movie. On this yeah, I don't know how to describe look, it. A soundtrack song. We're talking about a song that was written just to be in a film mm-hmm. that is not the title theme song of the movie. Por ejemplo, Molly. Um, the hit film, I don't know. <laughs> Are you an example of what it is or what it isn't? What it is, what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I really amuse myself, don't I? You do. Yeah. I'm having trouble thinking of any. Of of what the topic is of or what of not, what it's not. It's just an example. Of, of the topic, the topic yeah. okay. So my my prime example would be um, you your know, primeval world. My primeval world. You should take out that part where I couldn't remember. That was embarrassing. Uh, you're the editor. You can do that. I don't feel like it. There you go. The world. <laughs> There's going to be a thirty second. The world's going to see you struggle. The world turned upside down. The world turned upside down. It's funny because I don't like down. Hamilton. I have no opinion on it. I just don't. I just don't. I don't want to watch it. I really don't feel like it. You know. It's going back to Broadway. Down, 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 down. I All the other it. kids with the pump because you better run, better run, outrun my gut. That's from one weird owl. <laughs> anyway, it's not. Anyway, um, okay. So my oh! example, one of my favorites would be in the movie Freaky Friday. Yes. Um, Lindsay Lohan has a band, and they have to perform songs, and they yeah. perform original songs I, for that movie. Okay, real quick, you need another example, and I'll tell you why, Molly. Why? Because I already used the commercial for the Freaky Friday soundtrack album I last episode. I know you did, but I, I've got well, we got a whole list of ones, but that's my example. Okay. So the Look, song. I'll give you my example that I thought of. Well, in the I have time to say the song though. Go suck a lemon. You so there's the song Jimmy. Ultimate in Freaky Friday, which is a song Lindsay Lohan performs at the wedding at the end, yeah. which is a great song, a total jam easily one of my favorites a good song to jump to um and then i don't know the name of the other song but it's the song that they're singing um in the garage and when they perform um at the house of blues you know that's like i wanna grow i wanna shout out hey take me away don't know how long do you want to go on doing uh the whole song um or i don't really know the words so those those are my prime (laughs) examples look i would give you this example the hit film (laughs) Please. Sorry, sorry. The air guitar took over me. Jamie Lee Curtis playing the guitar. Can I give you yes. a movie that yes. has examples of both? Okay. Because okay. this is the best okay. thing ever. Okay. 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 The hit film, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Yes. Lenny Kravitz did a cover of American Woman for the movie. Now, that's a song that is on the film's soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It wasn't written for the movie. Right. No. It's just American Woman. You'd it hear that somewhere. Exists. Yes. But Madonna wrote the song Beautiful Stranger 
for the movie. They play it in the movie. The music video is themed to the movie. Now, did she write the song going, what's an Austin Powers song? Or did they just grab a Madonna single and shove it on the soundtrack for promotion reasons? Who can say? But the song does have a very Austin Powers 60s inspired mm -hmm. flute solo and a little bit of that um, electrical organ that mm -hmm. underscores a lot of the Austin Powers movies. So it's entirely possible that she went, well, this is going to be in an Austin Powers movie. More to the point. Uh, the music video has Mike Myers and Vern Troyer as Austin Powers and Mini-Me. Uh, the song plays in the film. Uh, it, and it's written originally for the movie, but it's not called Austin Powers. It's not called The Spy Who Shagged Me. It doesn't play mm -hmm. over the titles. And uh, it's just there for the movie. So that movie, yeah. And that movie also employs plenty of pre-recorded existing songs, as right. all the Austin Powers movies do for, for jokes or little moments. I mean, yeah, that definitely is... A type so, so there's two types of songs, and there's a song specifically written for a movie and that a plays, and then there's a song that you perform in the movie. You know, like you so stand like, up and sing it, right? So, well, real quick, I would like to throw out the lazier category, which is not actually lazy, but you know that which is the Lenny Kravitz version, which is like I yeah. did a new cover, cover of a song. Of it, yeah. Those don't count, no, right out of the gate because they're not written for the movie. Unless my only exception would be like if it's a really like, like unknown remix? song. Oh no! That like you know, I'm yeah. thinking of a. I can't think of a good example Teacher's right now. Teacher's Pet is a relatively obscure song mm -hmm. that Christy Carlson Romano did a cover of for the Disney animated movie Teacher's Pet, starring Nathan Lane. Now, I would not count that. No, no. Because first of all, it does have the title of the movie in it. Well. But second of all, she just recorded a cover of an existing song. Now, do yeah. people know the song Teacher's Pet? That's entirely subjective. No, no. So I'm thinking more of like if – and I can't think of a good example off the top of my head. So there might not be one, but if like the cover released for the movie became more popular than the original. Like Lana Del Rey's cover of Season of the Witch for <laughs> Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which is on my Spotify playlist. I actually really like her cover. All right. So let's think of some more songs that are – Written for movies. Hey, in real time, do you want to yell at us the examples we're missing? Write in to the pants are too tight on social media or email us. All that information is in the description of every episode, along with a quote from the Weekenders. Nobody's ever talked about it, but I like to bring it we up. Talk about it. I bring it up. Later days. Talk Jenny. about talk about talk about moving. Always. Shrek so, is full of this. <laughs> no, they're well. No, because those are all covers. No, some of them are just needle drops. Like All Star was recorded for yeah. Mystery Men the year before. But like um, I'm a Believer, I believe, is a new recording of that. It's right? a new recording, but that's a song yeah. already. Has there? Oh, no. The second movie, um, the it's not Smashing Pumpkins, it's Counting Crows. I get the two confused. Uh, accidentally in Love? Yes. Yes. Recorded for Great. Shrek. And if you don't have the version that's yes. from the, sex, uh, <laughs> the Shrek soundtrack, the, the, the then, Shrek? then you're not cool. Um, so one of my, I think one, another yeah. classic would be, it, and it doesn't count if it's a movie musical, I like to be clear, because all the songs are for that. We're, that's not what we're talking about. But a movie like the Lizzie McGuire movie, not a musical, but they, Hey Now, Hey, hey, now, now. hey now, What Dreams Are Made Of, um, that a classic song yeah. from just a performance. Now she did then rec uh, record another version of the song that was like not- Like a single or? Yeah, I think it was that one. No, what's the other song from that movie? Now available on Hollywood Records. Mm, there was another song from that movie. Shit. Molly, I wish you wouldn't mm. put me on the spot like this. I haven't seen this I don't know, but yeah. So anyway, Lizzie McGuire movie, that's a good example of a great song written for a movie. Sure. I mean, there's plenty of songs that are just written for a movie. And then that's like, 
sometimes it is just like a song that's in the movie for some reason, like Accidentally in Love, right. which underscores the entire opening montage of Shrek 2 and is an important song. And maybe you think of that song when you think of Shrek 2, but it's also just kind of like, again, I feel like it's the Madonna thing where it's like, did we just have a song and then we attached, attached it to the it movie? To the mm. This Sometimes these songs win Oscars. Like in Dick Tracy, there are several original Stephen Sondheim songs written just for the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, one of which I believe won the Oscar. Sooner or later, you're going to be mine, which Madonna also performs uh, since she plays the character Breathless Mahoney, who in the movie is doing a nightclub cabaret. Mm. Now, that movie, uh, there's no song called Dick Tracy, but like... <laughs> Those are original songs written for a movie that's not a musical. Right. And they're performed within the film, but it's also kind of sticky of like, well, you could just argue that sooner or later you're going to be mine as the theme song, you know? Because right. like, yes, Ghostbusters is very famously a song where the title of the movie is in the song. Right. But how many movies have a theme song where they don't sing the title? No, it's true. But the Ghostbusters is one of like the G -G -G opposite <laughs> um, examples yeah. um, of like, that is a song from a movie that you would just hear. Like that song plays, like you could realistically- Around Halloween. Around Halloween usually, yeah. But you, you would hear that song. Like you're never going to hear the Freaky Friday songs unless That's, someone specifically plays it. This is very true. I like this distinction you're putting out here because no one would play Sooner or Later You're Going to Be Mine on the radio. Right. And that's yeah. the, the key to me is that this is why this is on the podcast is because this is what I kind of do obsess over. I like a song and movie and I yeah. want to keep hearing it. Um, you know, the song, this was not written as far as I know, for the movie. So this is a different example, again, is someone performing a song that was already existed. Yeah. So the song Scotty Doesn't Know, which Matt Damon performs, famously yeah. performs um, in Euro Trip. You know, that that was iconic for a lot of people. But you would hear the song Scotty Doesn't Know. But there is this other movie. I don't know the name of it. Um, but there's a song Molly from that movie. Yeah. Um, it's about like, it's a B, like a, a C tier movie maybe. But it's a great song that I really liked because it was a song about a girl named Molly. Yeah. And um, I listened to it a lot. Um, you're never going to hear that anywhere except in my car. Yes. Okay, that's fair. These these would not be heard. Now, I would argue that this disqualifies our beloved Back to the Future. Despite oh, yeah. Power, Power of Love, first of all, is clearly the theme song. Right. As is Back in Time, which that which, one's pushing it. Okay, we... When he screams, get back, Marty. <laughs> this what, is... what else could it be about? So here's my thing. And I got in an argument about this over the summer um, yeah. with my boyfriend and his friend, Sam. Ronaldo. Um, they were, I was arguing how Back in Time should have been the theme song for Back to the Future. It's a better because song. it's a, well, I don't know if it's better, but it. I do. It's better. <laughs> it's, it fits the theme more. Like, my, that was, just, I was just like, why did Power of Love become the song and not Back in Time? And um, tell me, Doctor, where are we going this they time? They did not agree with me. Is this the 50s or 1999? They said it was too on the nose. All I wanted to do was play my guitar and sing, but take me away. I don't mind, but you better promise me I'll be back in time. Back in time. Yeah. Please yeah. don't drive 88. Don't want to be late again. Like these are these are perfect back to yes. the future lyrics, but not so on the nose that you're like, I can't listen to this in front of people. Right. It's not like Ghostbusters where it's but like you this song would has hear those songs yes. outside the movie. Now you might hear those on the radio outside the movie. 
Another another great example of a cover for a movie is Earth Angel, which of course in Earth universe Earth Angel, yes. Earth Angel, which is a song that is great. But I always at the end of it always imagine the little <laughs> the little Alan Silvestri. Yeah. that was very out of tune. I have a stuffed up nose for my allergies, but is a very good Alan Silvestri just weaving into the end of that Earth Angel cover. That's a really great cover of that song too. Like that actor kills it. Uh, Marvin Barry himself. Marvin Barry. He kills that uh, song. And we great. killed Marvin Barry. Um, we killed Johnny B. Good, not Michael J. Fox jo- singing. And again, but... Johnny B. Good would not count. No. Because that is a song. Which, um, uh, but although that, that one's really pushing it because in universe, the reasoning is that this is a famous song. Um, yeah. Like the reasoning is that you know that's a Chuck Bear. Like you are aware right. that that is a famous rock and roll song, even if you don't so, know a lot. So that doesn't rock. count. Yeah. But in sure. 1955, it would, you know, because it didn't exist yet. Okay, we don't. So no, it, no, 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 no. You're back to the future <laughs> and universe stuff here. We're just trying to. We're just yes. trying to talk about movies. Movies. Where um, the song... So you know, The Parent Trap, not a musical, but yeah. let's get together. The original one. We're that one here. I would consider. That might be the theme song. It, but it, it is, but it's not because they had that song in the opening credits that was like yeah, the parent trap. Like, yeah, whatever the hell that was. Some sixties. But it's become so iconic from that. Well, maybe not to most people our age, but at a time it was iconic. Yes, yes. But it also just feels like, I I feel like we have to disqualify songs that feel like the movie's theme song, frankly, because if we're going to go to the Back to the Future rule. Right. Sure, you might hear that on the radio, but that is the Back to the Future theme. Like, those are the kind of movies, songs that might as well have a parenthesis after it that says the the parent trap theme. Right, yeah. So it's like. Okay, so like, but that is performed in the movie. The, the so, theme song to Full House. Yeah, they don't sing the words Full House at any point. No, no, no. It is just a song. It doesn't just have to have the name. Yes. So I feel like "Accidentally in Love" is not the theme song to Shrek no. Two. It doesn't feel like the theme song to Shrek Two. It happens to be the song they do the opening montage. It's not really to. setting up the yes. the theme of the movie. But somehow All Star feels like the theme to Shrek, even though it wasn't written for Shrek. Now, but this is the th- well, yes, that's true. Isn't that weird? Maybe it's just because I don't associate that with Mystery Men. I think well, because Counting Crows is their own thing, and Smash Mouth is not. And that might as well be there. walking on the sun, Molly. Smash Mouth was everywhere. <laughs> um, um uh, I think the key that does help separate it is a. If it is physically performed in the movie a lot like for me that's yeah. a big part of it um okay another example Lindsay lohan um wow yeah. she's just all over the map here um the confessions of a teenage drama queen yeah um the song teenage drama queen that girl was a one shot yeah. i just kind of lit queen. up because i've it's a several more of these are coming to me at once mm-hmm. and you bet it they're all Austin Powers. I thought you were going to say, you bet it. They're all Lindsay Lohan. They're all Lindsay Lohan. That girl could, she did the theme. Get a clue. Scary oh. Movie 5. Get uh, a clue. <laughs> no, um, um, wake up, it's me, it's you. you get, get a, a clue. clue. Yeah. We, uh, we were, Lindsay Lohan was a really great actor and is probably, okay, wherever she is. Okay, I don't know though, because I saw her on Billy in the Street recently and. Look, she's, it, it's not a secret. She has had troubles. Yeah, I, don't I don't care think her, if, her acting's not really up there right now. Though. I don't care. She'll get better. I believe in Lindsay Lohan. Oh, I believe in so Lindsay Lohan. Much. I want to. If, because listen, I want the Parent Trap reboot. I, oh, think, I just found out the mom from the Parent Trap is dead. 
Well, that's very sad. It is. Charles Grodin passed away the day we're recording this. Who is that? He is the villain in The Great Muppet Caper. That's why you would know him. <gasps> Happiness, Aww. Miss Piggy. Weird what fun is... But I know him as one of the great comedians of the 1970s, great comedic actors. One of my favorite movies, Clifford, he is the uncle oh. who is being attacked by poor Martin Short. That Ironically, horrible. very confusingly, his character is named Uncle Martin. Which yeah, that really messed me yeah. up watching but that. But he's also in... Um, uh, the the lonely guy with Steve Martin. They kind of are. They're very similar performers yeah. in a lot of ways. He basically was everywhere in well, the nineteen seventies. Neil Simon movies with Chevy Chase and Goldie Hawn, all Make that stuff. Rest in peace. Yes, a figure of a bygone era, but nevertheless a wonderful actor. Now, um, anyway, so. I was going to talk about Austin Powers, but before that, Lindsay Lohan. Right. I feel like everyone who's making fun of Lindsay Lohan right now, and I could be wrong about this, everyone who's making fun of Lindsay Lohan right now is going to look as stupid as anyone who's making fun of Robert Downey Jr. Uh, uh, 15 years ago. Robert Downey I Jr. I hope so. Yes. The biggest actor in the world, maybe. Like, it, yeah. here's the thing. Do you want to see a Tom Cruise movie or a Robert Downey Jr. movie? Unless well, it's Mission, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible's coming. Uh... Unless it's, look, I'll see a Robert Downey Jr. movie that isn't a Marvel movie. I'm not really going to see another Tom Cruise movie that is a Mission um, Impossible. But you didn't see the Dr. Doolittle movie. Here's the thing. Doolittle is, okay, real quick. Doolittle is extenuating circumstances. <laughs> we all went to see those Sherlock Holmes movies. <laughs> the world turned Ryan out for Sherlock really Holmes. I really remembered those. Brother no. in blood. Um, I, I agree with that. I yes. think Lindsay Lohan was the actor of our generation. Yes. Well, maybe a little bit the generation before us. She was a little on her way out by the time we, we came around. Yeah. But, um... She, I think, got a lot of the same treatment as Britney. Oh, yeah. But um, we just really haven't let, let, let it come to light yet. Sure. You know, we, uh, that's a whole complicated Here's the dirty secret there. any woman in Hollywood you've been told is crazy probably is being ab abused, and that's PR yeah. spin. Probably. Now, let's be clear Ellen DeGeneres was probably really chucking stuff at interns. That's not important, though. She's quitting. But. <laughs> you know, I decline to comment on all things she Ellen. She declines to comment on all things Ellen. But it's. But here's the thing. It's like she's Lindsay Lohan is is treated like this crazy person. Britney Spears treated like this crazy person. Amanda Bynes treated like a crazy person. All of them had serious mental illness yeah. and were being mistreated behind the scenes. And all of them had their narratives spun by these big mm -hmm. corporations to make them seem cuckoo bananas. Every once in a while, you run into a Gwyneth Paltrow where you're like, oh, God, the goop is bad and it's anti-science and all this stuff. But then Gwyneth Paltrow was also a victim of Harvey Weinstein. So, well... well I'm gonna. Not everything's black and white. Not everything is black and white, but here's what I find interesting. So one, <laughs> she forgot she was in that Spider-Man movie. That was funny. That is hilarious. Well, so Gwyneth Paltrow, while there is that narrative around her, I think that she's still a very much respected actress, and that's kind of a difference. She didn't like really lose yeah, that. That's fair. probably because of she's still in the success of the Marvel movies. I think if this had all happened years and years after the Marvel movies, then well, she kind of retired. Like, she doesn't really do stuff she doesn't want to do. And those Marvel movies were basically like, look, I committed to one of these in 2008. And I'm just going to, like, if they ask me to do another one, I'll do it. Because I yeah. like Robert Downey And that's Jr. the thing, though. But she's still in that. Whereas Lindsay Lohan, Amanda Bynes, and Brittany, like, that is the more narrative, like, ended their yes. career. Like, it corresponded. But Lindsay has not gotten the redemption that... Winona, Amanda, and Brittany have gotten. All of whom I have, maybe I'm younger and wasn't raised on Jay Leno calling women sluts, but um, but like none of those women in my mind equate to scandal. Even Amanda Bynes, who had a meltdown while I was a teenager, like just to me just equates to like, 
aren't all rich celebrities like troubled? Like I felt you know? like of everyone, it was very clearly we had reached a point with Amanda Bynes where we were like, yeah. this is not her fault. Yeah. Well, Britney um, Spears, it feels like that. And yet having been raised, because I was like seven yeah. when bad things were happening to poor Britney Spears, it's like, uh, it just feels like the whole time it's been very evident that the woman was troubled, not bad or spoiled or something. It was not though. Like it really yeah. in the beginning, I can remember that because I remember that narrative being in my head and at some point being like, oh, whatever. It was that time yeah. when everyone started being like, oh, maybe what we did to Britney was wrong. Not we. I mean, I was yeah. a child, but you know, but Lindsay hasn't gotten that redemption. And I do think part of it is that Britney had her scandals and then like disappeared Amanda had, uh, you know, uh, her mental illness pretty publicly broadcasted and then disappeared. Lindsay didn't really disappear. She kind of kept having more and more scandals and she disappeared, but then come back with a new scandal instead of come back with like a success or she came back and hosted SNL and then like kind of seemed like a train wreck on on it. And then there was all these issues reported about when she was there. So like she just kind of hasn't had like a positive comeback. When she does, I think we'll be golden though. Again, I I see a lot of Robert Downey Jr. in that. The look last time I he went so. to Disneyland, he he was let out in handcuffs, and then Molly, goddamn Disney legend. So you know, it all turns around. Molly. I hope so. she's still very young. Yeah, I think Lindsay Lohan has plenty of time to make a career comeback, and she's such a good actor that I would welcome it. And um, I think that the culture would welcome it. I think that so many people who were children when her movies were coming out, yeah. Uh, are you know, well? They're all the same age as her, but like you know, they, I think so many people would welcome that right now. But let me say this, Lindsay. I do think you should go back to the red. I think the red hair symbolized a, a good time for you, and um, it makes you look Lindsay, a little less of a drug addict. Lindsay, do whatever you want. If you want like weird black and purple hair, go for it. The, the Winona Ryder blonde. Proved, Winona Ryder proved you don't have to keep the hair color that you were in when you were the famous platinum blonde does not it doesn't hold like a symbol of a good era for Lindsay. she went blonde and things went downhill i think she's got to go back just like just like um black widow in the marvel movie she yes. was platinum blonde after red and, and things did not end well right. i i agree i would agree so black widow in theaters anyway, may 15th it's made. Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, that song. There's no, a whole, yes. but people, I don't know how much people remember of Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, but the whole thing is building up to a musical. The movie itself isn't a musical, yes. but they're performing a musical. Um, and that like musical performance, yes. Ends with Sweeney Todd. Memory. Right. Um, so I really yeah. do love that scene, though. Underrated scene in the movie is them performing this musical, singing yeah. the song. Um, Teenage Drama Queen. Jersey Girl is a great movie. I'm it's sorry. It's just an unironically... I just had that, I had that thought as again. As Benifer is getting back, the reports of that, Jersey Girl, great movie. Okay, real quick. I don't I, believe the reports of Ben Affleck. I don't I'd believe like any clear. of these. I don't care, by the way, about any of the celebrity okay, reports. Okay, wait, I'm sorry. We're supposed to care about Ben Affleck. We have a whole theory going. We have to keep, we have to be invested. I want celebrities who are alcoholics and drug addicts to not be that anymore because even though they're famous, their suffering isn't amusing to me. Now, and yes, that includes Ben Affleck. I hope he gets better. But I would just like to say, I don't really care who any of these people date. Even if I'm like the biggest fan of their work, it's like, I don't know what it's like to be married to oh, yeah. uh, Jennifer Aniston. Maybe it's great. Maybe it's not fun. I don't really care because she makes good stuff and he right. makes good stuff. And it's like, as long as, you know, like that's their only role in my life. Right. As long as they're not killing people, they're so personalized. I care me. about Ben Affleck's life just because... <laughs> 
I find the timeline of everything interesting. I you think Batman? Made I don't. Him I relapse. think Batman made him relapse, <laughs> but I don't want to. I don't yes. want them to keep telling me the details of Ben Affleck's personal yes. life. But if they keep throwing them at me, I'm gonna keep my timeline going. You know how we're getting old, Molly? Is that? The celebrities who were dating 20 years ago getting back together is like a nostalgia thing. Yeah. Like people were all like, did you see Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston at the Golden Globes? And like now they're like, did you see Benifer might be getting back together? And it's like early 2000s nostalgia. And it's like, stop, stop. Feel, feel Long for the 90s, please. I can handle longing for the 90s. Don't move to the 2000s. Oh, no, I don't. I don't need to hear about the 90s. Couples. Look. I will sell you a Game Boy oh, for think, $200. I think Benifer, I mean, not Benifer. I, actually, both of those might have been the 90s. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, here's the thing is that it just occurred to me that time keeps going, going forward, forward. So if they were dating in one, it was easy for them to date in the next. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've, they've been talking about Brad and Jennifer getting happen. back together since they broke up. He's really skinny now and he's going to go fuck some 20 year old like they all do. I, I don't know. Anyway, songs and movies. You had examples? Now Please. listen, if you think this was a pointless tangent, you're wrong because we're talking about what the record industry and what Hollywood does to people. Okay, babe. So, so we got political again. We got political again. <laughs> Austin Powers. Austin Powers. <laughs> it all comes back, baby. Also divorced Mike Myers. I also don't care if he had a bad relationship with his wife because I think, you know, he gets along with his kids. Here's the thing. I'd like to see Benifer getting along. You know, I don't think you can't get along with your ex. I don't. Let me be clear. I don't like using celebrity coupled names, but Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez is too long of a thing to say. So for them, Why I'm saying Benifer. Look. I'm in support of flipping it this time. If they get back together, it's got to be Jen. <laughs> it would just be Jen. Ben and and, and Jen. Ben. Ben is short for Benjamin. Jen. Jenjamin. 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 Which, by the way, was the original <laughs> name one. for the, the gingerbread man in track. Instead of Gingy, they were going to call him Jenjamin. <laughs> Nobody got the joke. So Jenjamin. They just said, yeah, Jenjamin. Uh, anyhow, so uh, Austin Powers. Mm -hmm. He's the man. So... There is a theme, an Austin Powers song where they go, Austin Powers, he's the man for you. <laughs> but during the credits, the original Mike Myers co-written song, mm. BBC, um, is performed by Austin Powers. And that band that he's always with in the weird transitions, their name is Ming T. Mm. They are a band of other British characters played by uh, Susanna Hoffs, Matthew Sweet, and a couple others. Uh, anyway, so that song... BBC mm -hmm. is an original song written for the movie, performed during the credits, but still in the movie. It's not like it would be playing on the radio, I guess, but it right. could. Like, if you played that at a party, nobody would be like, is that Mike Myers singing in a British act? Because you wouldn't know. It just sounds like a rock song. Well, this is my kind of theory about the whole playing things at yes. a party, is that I, uh, this is my deal, is that, like, these are good songs. Like, you're not yes. going to tell me Ultimate from Freaky Friday isn't a jam. If you put that on at a party, people are going to they're going to love it. You know, at least people of our age group, you know, not if you're at a party of like younglings yes. or, or old people. But um, I think it would I think it would draw some people yeah. to the dance floor and we should give these songs more credit than they get. Now, in the third Austin Powers film, if you thought I was done, you're wrong. No, there they do sometimes in Austin Powers do sort of the ultimate little headache causer for if this counts in the category or not, which is they frequently perform songs that already exist with new words specific to the mm. Austin Powers series. Thereby, I'm going to say that yes, does count. Thereby creating a song that is not the theme song mm -hmm. is technically new for the movie, but it's also like not a remix. It's like, right. you know how uh, the Pitbull song back in time from Men in Black 3 uses the hook, baby, 
Oh, baby, from yeah. Dirty Dancing, which I believe that song was not written for Dirty Dancing. I believe uh, The Time of My Life was written for the the soundtrack for Dirty Dancing. Yeah, but that's not what we're talking about, baby. No, because that, that is a theme song. That's yeah. a theme song. And you definitely heard that on the radio. We all know that's a theme song. Yeah. But <laughs> like, that's one of the times where it's like, well, obviously, much like Let's Get Together, that is clearly the theme song. <laughs> the theme to Dirty Dancing. Less so than that, though. No, more than that. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's <laughs> more like, than that. Let's get together is not as much. Let's as get that together is less of a theme for because the because they track. perform it in that. Yes. Originally. Whereas it it feels like if you were gonna do a dirty dancing montage, you would I'm have gonna to argue include. it's not the theme of of the Parent Trap because they don't put it on. Like that's not even. It plays in the remake, doesn't it? No, they just Lindsay Lohan just skips along and sings one part of it. Like let's get together. Yeah, yeah. that's. It's a nod. It's not the theme. That's not like the opening title track of the soundtrack or anything. I, I feel like, I guess, yeah, maybe I'm pushing too Rest hard my for case that one. On that. Anyway, Austin Powers. They oh, Austin the Powers. Yeah. Events. So in the second film, of course, they perform um, just the two of us. The just the two of yeah. which, by the way, is already a rap that is incorporating the the hook, the just mm-hmm. the two of us. Right. But just that with the Will Smith rapping. So it's already a remix. They do a cover of a remix with new words all about mini me. Mm-hmm. I'll do it from memory now. From the moment I heard Frau say I had a clone, I knew that I'd be safe because I know I'd never be alone. An evil doctor shouldn't speak a lot about his feelings. My hurt and my pain won't make me too appealing. Uh, <laughs> I could, I probably could do that. Let me sing. Um, um, yeah. No, it's, Scott would think I was a cool guy, return the love I had, make my want to cry, be evil, but have my feelings too, change my life with Oprah and Maya Angelou. But Scott rejected me, say la vie, life is cruel, treats you unfairly. <laughs> <laughs> but even so, a god there must be, mini me, you complete me. <laughs> Just the two of us. And, yeah. and that is an example that I would count yes. because that's a different song. May I? List off the rest of them real quick. In Goldmember, they deleted it from the movie, mm-hmm. but they play it. They play like a sung version of it in Spy Who Shagged Me, the second one. In Goldmember, they had a sequence where they had all the characters sing the cover with new words. The song from Alfie, What's It All About, mm-hmm. where they do What's It All About, oh, I remember Alfie. That, yeah. They do What's It All About. Austin and in Goldmember they shot all the characters including Michael Caine and Rob Lowe who's not actually in the movie movie, just for this they got Rob Lowe to reprise his role as young uh, number two they they had them all sing that song and then they had to cut it out of the movie Um, but anyhow like I was saying so that's like a a weird like we did a new version of the The song song from Alfie which is the theme song from Alfie but not (laughs) Not the theme theme song of Austin Powers isn't it upsetting so many layers and then of course in Goldmember Ming-T and Mike Myers also performed the original song Daddy Wasn't There which is maybe the clearest example of a song that that Austin Powers in universe sings in the movie is clearly not the theme to Goldmember because Beyonce mm-hmm. sings the sort of theme song, yeah. Goldmember song, right? It doesn't play over the opening credits. It w- It is on the soundtrack and you can find a karaoke version of it. So it was released as a single at some point. Mm-hmm. Like such a weird, like just, yeah, there's yeah. an original song for Goldmember. Yeah. I own nine DVD Love copies it. of Goldmember. I give them out as gifts. He's hilarious. I Look, Molly. I bought another one the other day, so it's technically 10, but I'm going to give that one away soon. So. Um, one of my favorite examples of this is when it happens in a movie that where it is completely random. So it's not like in 
you know, Freaky Friday where Lindsay Lohan has a band and there's a reason for the song. Or it's not like in Austin Powers where there's a theme that they're seeing throughout all the Mm -hmm. movies. It is in The Princess Diaries 2 when out of nowhere, we just get a musical performance from Raven Simone and Julie Andrews. Now, if you're getting Raven Simone and Julie Andrews together, you're gonna do a musical number. So in, in that way, it makes sense. But in the context of the film where there hasn't really previously been any musical numbers, except the fact that Lily's brother in the first one has a band. Yes. Um, there is no performing other than that. Oh, they are singing, I think, a song in chorus. But anyway, the singing is really not yes. part of the film. There is a full-blown performance between um, Raven and yeah. Julie Andrews. Um, the song is Your Crowning Glory, and that is another song that I have on, on my phone, My, you know, that I bought on my iPod. Yeah. It, it's a great song. It starts out slow and sweet with Julie Andrews singing, and then Raven comes in, and you get a beat, and it really picks up. It's a great moment. Um, yeah. I love it very much. And that's a underrated really, song. a really egregious example, because the first movie doesn't have a random musical performance. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's and like, so, yeah. where did this come from? That's literally just we had a that's maybe the perfect one is just we had a song for this movie. It's gotta go somewhere. Like, yeah, it's, it's like how did we have Julie Andrews in two movies and not have her and that's after really Julie Andrews stopped singing. Yeah, because she had And that you can tell it's there. a much different she is singing an alto part in yeah. that song. Well she had that Freddie Mercury thing. Where yeah. They have like the eight octave singing range. I don't know what Yeah, well, she had throat surgery and then yeah. But I mean, she still sings nicely. Like yeah, it's not it's as still if it's a not great as if she's voice. Being she's talented. just not at the the Hills Are Alive top of her register yeah, which is probably fine yeah I mean, when you see billy joel live he's uh he's taking all those songs down a few you know what yeah. i'm saying like he's not billy joel's not still doing I'm on and, on, he's Alexa. and not just because he's not louis armstrong <laughs> because he doesn't perform the down east relaxa we because, don't know why it's because who would sing that live danny danny yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. wow I really wish I had my phone down here because I do cable. own all, like all those songs that I am specifically thinking of. So What's now I'm interesting just is that you, because you say own, own. I like mean, I don't Dr. know if I always do, but listen, always. I own. You got to stop. I'm never doing that voice again. That's my Robert Downey Jr. Uh, voice is just is just Doctor Evil. It's just yeah, sure, whatever you say. I look, you know, you can try to come in here, but it's not true. Okay, listen, I got a message for the Mandarin. Four sixteen Malibu Way. You come to my house, you try to step to me, it's not going to happen, all right? Listen, um, you're wrong. Well, then. That's really great, but I don't care. Whatever you're saying, it's wrong. I would like to take another meeting on that. We could talk about it later. All right. So outside of Austin Powers, Danny, can you think of examples You'll of this? You'll note that was just Dr. Evil, but very yeah. fast. It's not a very good Robert Downey Jr. So but. this is not really an example because this yeah. is covers, but I would just like to point sure. out the iconicness of the um, singing busts in the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion film. I because was also you left your key yeah. in a mausoleum. I, find what, the key, find the key. That song, that movie has a theme song that was written for it. Uh, it's by Nelly. And mm-hmm. it's set to the people's court theme, you know, but it's a rap Ooh. about the Haunted Mansion. That's hilarious. It's boy, oh boy. But that doesn't play, right? In the uh, movie? It plays over the credits. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So that, again, that's, that's, not, that's not the perfect example. I am now trying to picture movies where the plot stops dead for a character, character to jump on stage. And honestly, Goldmember is a pretty great example um, now, granted, Beyonce does do the whole gold member thing when he comes in. She sings, it's gold, it's gold. How but about those are old songs. the Pink Panther when Beyonce sings that song? Bingo! It that's is. the one. Beyonce in the Pink Panther performs the song Woman Like Me. Now, 
<laughs> it's pretty clear that they didn't write enough original songs for Beyonce throughout the movie because whenever you see her, she's performing that song. Yeah. So like it gets that little hook gets stuck yeah. in my head. Da, da, da. That's a woman like me. That is for that movie, right? That's I believe it's an original song. She recorded it for the movie. The music video is, if I recall correctly, Pink Panther. I believe. Yeah, that's during that period where Beyonce was just ready to be a movie star. Yeah. So she went from Gold Member to Pink Panther to Dream Girls, which might be a little. She's in Dream Girls. Yes, she is. She is like the second lead of that movie. It's. In case you don't remember, in the film, the dream girls are Jennifer Imagine Hudson, very famously. Uh, Jennifer Hudson, Beyonce Knowles, Carter. And of course, Anika Nani Rose, who is Tiana in The Princess and the Frog. Oh. And is one of the great performers of yeah, all Yeah, definitely. I only saw Dream Girls once on like one of those bootleg DVDs we yeah. had as a child. And I wasn't really supposed to be watching it. And I think I Eddie Murphy was nominated for an Oscar for if I remember correctly, he plays the like manager what? guy. I think you know now you're saying that. And then Jamie Foxx is the guy who's in charge of like the record company. I haven't seen Dreamgirls mm. in a long time. I just was today, uh, not to be the guy who brings up the book he's reading, but I just finished my book about DreamWorks, and that was one of their last like big movies mm. before they like split up the company and everything. So like Dreamgirls wasn't extensively talked about part of the book, and they mentioned like having to do a screen test for Beyonce and all this stuff. So Dreamgirls is fresh on the brain. I haven't seen it in a very long time, though. But yeah, a woman like me in, in Pink Panther, I'm not rambling against Molly's will. She left to go pee and just pointed at me so I wouldn't so I wouldn't complain. Uh, but yeah, a woman like me in the Pink Panther is, is really interesting because, again, like all throughout the movie, it's like there's a part where Steve Martin interrupts her at a recording studio. And you will note that they are just recording the song Woman Like Me, which is weird because it implies that she's performing a new song that she just recorded. So it's like, did it become a hit over the course of the movie? <laughs> or is she doing a new recording of her famous song, Woman Like Me? Doesn't matter. Uh <laughs> What have you got, Mom? Um, these are good questions. You're you're asking the questions. A subcategory of this would be, and it's a different thing entirely, really. So we don't have to go through thing by thing, but it is just another thing I'm obsessed with is the songs that were written for TV shows to perform. And you know, like, so one of the best examples I'd say would be um, "How I Met Your Mother." There are countless um, songs. They they made two separate albums of songs from How I Met Your Mother. And those are ones really that I'll play all the time in the car. So if you're in my car or if my phone goes on shuffle, like you're going to hear these random things that are not songs like that you could dance to really. I mean, except maybe like Let's Go to the Mall. Like I get that that one's more popular, but I'm talking songs like all of Marshall's little e-cards that he writes, you know, I mean, well, like the Hey Beautiful is the theme song. So that doesn't really count. But all of, um, you know, Super Date, like Best Night Ever, the the Cat Funeral Food Delivery song. These are all great. Murder Train. Who could forget Murder Train? But so there, that's a different category. But they made enough in that show to make two full albums of songs. Yeah. And I just wanted to give a shout out to that. That is a whole other thing. But that is a very different thing. I think the question, the central question for today's episode and what I will probably make the title. What makes something the theme song? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because a TV show always has, like if right. a TV show has a theme song, you know what it is. You know, The Simpsons has da 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 This is an interesting question because like, yes. this was, I saw a tweet about this a few days ago. Like 
Legally Blonde, the movie doesn't have a theme song, but yes. the song Perfect Day is very much the opening of Legally Blonde. Like you hear that song, if you're someone that watched that movie, yes. like that is the theme song of that movie for really no good reason. It doesn't Right. It's not attached to it. Yes. But like it has nothing to do with the plot, but you hear that you associate it. Now, I I would argue against this theory a little bit. Because there are songs that people would go, oh, that's like the theme of the movie. Mm. But just because, oh, of the, right, just right, right. because of the marketing, for instance, the one I'm thinking of is Guardians of the Galaxy, which famously has a whole soundtrack of pop mm -hmm. music, right? Problem with that mm -hmm. is we're all like, oh, you know, I can't fight. Hooked on a feeling. Right, right. Ooga right. chaka. Because that was every trailer for the movie. Mm -hmm. That song doesn't matter in the movie. It's in there for four seconds. I think it's when they're going into the prison or something. Like, uh, I mean, that one. If, I, that's Hooked a, on a Feeling is not the song of Guardians of the Galaxy, but when they did the Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon, they bothered to pay for the license to that song for all the commercials for the show because it was in all the commercials for the movie. And it became marketing like, definitely. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So I think that's a that's a dangerous. No, and you're right though. Me saying me saying that is wrong because that goes against what you said earlier. Shrek? That's like the accidentally in love of that movie where there's a strong association, yes. but it's not the theme. Yes. Okay. Okay. But I will also say Accidentally in Love. Accidentally in Love is what we were trying to get to in that it's yeah. an original song for a movie, not the theme song. Yeah. I think what we now have to focus on is what makes something the theme, theme song, song to a movie. movie. Because uh, my parent trap argument you say is incorrect. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But I'm just going to say that kind of thing where a movie has a song in it. And we all know that's the theme from the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily called theme from something. Right. Like Ghostbusters. Mission Impossible yes. theme. That's the that's theme. That's the theme. But then like mm. some movies you're just like, oh, that's the song from that movie. You know, um, I feel like any movie Bette Midler was in had kind of a Bette Midler song. Hocus Pocus, I'll Put a Spell on You. It's a cover, yes, but that is clearly the theme, theme song, song of that, to that movie. movie. Even though it doesn't play at the beginning and stuff. Mm -hmm. If that song plays, you're like, oh, that's the hocus pocus. You know song. what? A good example would be if that movie won an Oscar. What are they going to play when the guy walks up on stage? Yeah, that, that's very true. Because I feel like, again, not to be a bitch, if the Parent Trap won an Oscar, they'd probably be playing an instrumental yes. of that. Da, 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 yeah, definitely, yeah, no, yeah. definitely. It's yeah, isn't it a hard? tough call? Um, I do have another original song for a movie though Please. that uh, is a performed song in a movie that is it's a deep cut, right. um, but it is easily. About. One of my favorites. Yes. It's one of those songs I really won't skip if it comes on in the car. It's from the movie Little Fockers starring Ben Stiller and Robert De Niro. The song, the remix, Jack Burns. Um, so for those of you who, oh, well, it's Burns, Jack Burns remix. Um, there is at the end of Little Fockers in the credit scene, there are, is a remixed video of Gaylord Fokker talking about Robert De Niro jack burns um it's remixed into a song as many youtube videos were remixed in the early 2000s it is so catchy time. i love that song molly we're playing that over the I, episode because i sing it all the time the amount of times i would say i reference that song in a week is a little unreal and no one ever knows i'm doing because it. no one's ever seen that movie no i saw them in theaters weird after having never seen Either the, the previous, first two movies, you and I seen found the previous Fockers. I'd seen clips, but not enough to know that Owen Wilson was part of them. Yeah, so that's how little I knew about them. You know what? Seth Meyers does a good Owen Wilson end. He is ball. doing great doing I, them. I love I, the bit. I know the joke is that they're kind of bad impressions, but <laughs> I 
look, I've never seen anyone else do Vince Vaughn. I have it's never good. seen anyone else do Vince Vaughn. It's he funny. captures his essence. And you yeah. guys know I love Vince Vaughn. The best impressions are impressions that other people don't usually do. Yeah. Which is why I think we all love Bill Hader's Vincent Price, even though, by as Bill Hader has admitted before, he's just doing Dana Gould's Vincent Price. Right. Doesn't matter. Vincent Price is a weird voice to pull out. It's like how everybody's like, oh my God, Maurice LaMarche does the best Orson Welles impression. But it's like... Who else does one? Right. Who else is out there going, hello, yes, it's wonderful that's to see you. That's why my impression of the guy that says, I don't want to be a lackey no more and Boy Meets World is the best because no one, literally there's no one else doing that. Yes, always. <laughs> this Rose is an interesting Rose. question. <laughs> yes, go on. The oh, did song, Orson Welles ever sing? <laughs> so very much the theme of yes. 8 Mile is lose yourself. Literally. Literally. <laughs> literally the theme, theme song. Um, but it's not but it's, called Theme from 8 Mile. It's not called Theme from 8 Mile. It is a song that you'd hear on the radio. Oscar winning song, And correct? it's, I believe so. Yeah. And it's performed. So that's interesting a great, yeah. That's one. a theme song. Yes. We know that's a theme song. It's kind of like. I would not count as to what the original topic was, but counts would, as a theme song. Would we call Gonna Fly Now the theme of Rocky? Obviously, we all know I, I have the tiger. I have seen Rocky. So okay, I well, Gonna Fly Now is that Gonna Fly Now. Oh yeah, Ba-na-na. -na. Well, I mean that is just Rocky's theme. Oh, okay, that's the theme of that. It's, yeah, they sing the words "Gonna Fly Now." You know what? Never mind. That might actually just now that I think. If you could Google it for me, my phone's dead. But I do believe "Gonna Fly Now" might actually be parenthesis Rocky's theme. <laughs> so never mind. But like, there are times where we know the, like, there's just times when we know the song as the theme song, and I just I, I wonder what see. the border is. There is no. Oh, also known as theme from Rocky. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's that's a bad example then. Um, that was that was the equivalent of me bringing up the disco version of the Star Wars theme and being like, it's like Star Wars with their disco Bali. <laughs> What's weird is that that segues into the cantina music. And I love the thought that in 1977, if you walked out of Star Wars, you were like, what are the two famous yeah. pieces of music? Like, there's no bomb, bomb, bomb. That's in the mm -hmm. second one, the Imperial March. Right. So there's no Darth Vader theme. The Empire in that movie is just represented by bomb, 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 bomb. Every time you see the Death Star, it goes bomb, 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 bomb. <laughs> so it's like... What are the two famous pieces of music from Star Wars? Um, well, the Star Wars theme and uh, that song they're playing in the cantina. When you think about it, the cantina music, original music mm. performed on stage in the movie, not True. the theme song, not the theme True. song. Now, granted, it is just part of the score. But, but you wouldn't hear it on um, like the radio or anything. No, no you wouldn't hear so I would go with that. Yeah. This is an example. Can I turn of, pentatonics? You think? Because that was pretty good. I definitely think you did. Your chicken noises are great. Um. Notice I didn't sing a song. Yeah. I just panicked <laughs> into chicken noises. Even um, though I famously do a duel yes, of the fates cover. You want to so hear good. it? Do it. so good at it <laughs> so one of my i should probably cut that out that's gonna sound no loud. i love that um okay. one of my favorite songs that is not quite an example of my original thing but again a song that was recorded for a movie specifically lord you were that i a rambling man. don't know anyone else here um that would probably know this song if you're out there and you remember this there was a very pop prominent music video um, for the movie Race to Witch Mountain on <laughs> Disney Channel. I never saw... <laughs> yeah. I never saw the movie, but I always saw the music video um, the for the song? song Emergency by Steve Rushton. I listened to it. I listened to it a lot at the time. Um, it was a really good song, and I just wanted to let you all know. Is that a cover? 
I don't think so. You should, you should look it up. I, should look I, it I have up. a strong suspect. Because Race to Witch Mountain is also a remake. It is. Is a remake of the original Race to Witch Mountain. I don't think it's a good enough song to be a yeah. um a cover. Dumb question. Flubber seems like the kind of movie that would have had a pop song. It does. I never saw it though, okay. as you know. It just seems like the kind of movie that would have there one. Is, I'm not finding the song. <laughs> yeah. So I don't really I really know. love see. I really love when people make up fake theme songs for movies that don't have one. And I've really been mulling over the idea of doing a song called Good Morning Vietnam. But it's like a fun early 2000s, like pop punk kind of <laughs> like, good morning, Vietnam. Yeah. And it misses it. it misses the point and tone of the film completely. Yeah, I'd like And then that. at one point I put like a heavy radio filter on my voice and I'm like, good morning, Vietnam. Well, the weather today. You know, like a Mr. Blue Sky kind of thing. <laughs> Where I just, I really clearly haven't seen the movie. And I just, <laughs> just kind of know that he works at a radio station or something. And I'm like, uh, so he should be doing like Vietnam weather. Well, right? that's that tone is what the song Emergency is. I'd like to be clear. Oh, like good. you captured Steve Russian pretty well. It's not a cover. Um, but Miley Cyrus's Fly on the Wall was also featured in the film, which I didn't know. What? What a great was song. Was Fly on a Wall a race to which mountain tie-in? Apparently. <laughs> all my precious secrets, yeah. You, you know, know them, them all. all. Don't, Don't you wish, wish that you could be a fly on the wall? wall. I was right. doing sort of a rock lobster version. Oh, um, great example. Although it borders on being a musical, especially yeah. because it was turned into one. I'd say, um, yeah. somebody kill me, please, from The Wedding Singer, <laughs> as well as Grow Old With You. Yes. Grow Old With You, I would say, is theme song from t- category. Because think about it. If you were going to do a tribute to that movie and you didn't include that song, you would be making a mistake. But I don't think that that counts as theme song. I think that is more... Like a song, because again, that's not like yeah. capturing the plot, the whole vibe. That's the end. If it was a song about like being mm. a wedding singer, like the wedding singer why. song that was yes. written for the musical so is the when theme. It's your, your wedding day, day. and my music starts. That's play. a theme. Yeah, no. I, here's why I'm going to argue <laughs> otherwise. Think about love story movies. Uh-huh. Like, for instance, the movie, I don't know, Love Story from the 70s. Uh, I think it's from the 60s. But the movie Love Story has a song called Love Story. Which is the You're, theme. This is not helpful. Where do even. I begin to tell the story of how great a love can be? Now, Molly, that song has nothing to do with the characters in the movie. It's just a song about wanting to kiss someone. I would argue that most romantic movies, if they have a theme song, are just kind of a song about love. Because most 90% of songs are about love. So I would argue that the theme to Wedding Singer, and I, I know not literally, but think about what I'm saying versus what we established as the rules... I would argue that Grow Old With You is the theme song mm. for The Wedding Singer. That's what I'll that's give my you thing. a maybe. You'll give me a I maybe. don't like that. Yes. And it's impossible to judge because they've written a better yes. theme song for it. You are on record as not agreeing with me, but that's fine. Yes. We don't have to agree. Um, going off of that, um, yes. 51st States, um, Forgetful Lucy. That is a great song Once written again, for a I, movie. I would peg that as... Maybe the theme. Song. That is absolutely the theme. For, well, but it's also but wouldn't it? But but his performance of "Wouldn't It Be Nice" by the Beach Boys might be the theme for Maybe. that movie for me. Um, just, yeah. but not really. But um, yes. Yeah, so that would be considered probably a theme, but was not written as a theme. Yeah. That's a song performed. That's a song that I love which is on my I, phone to listen. Which to. I think is the most important category of these, mm-hmm. even though it's not what we set out talking about. Is I think that's a really important distinction of, oh. 
hey, this is kind of the theme song to the movie, but it's like, eh? to the point where like, if you were going to do a remake of one of these movies or mm. a musical adaptation, you would have, have to, to include it. In. Yeah, that's a good like the Parent mm. Trap one is an iffy one because like they do a reference to it, but like, could you imagine a stage version of the producers that didn't include Springtime for Hitler? Well, no, but that's not a great example because it's plot it's, relevant. Okay, yeah. but like, it it to me, Springtime for Hitler feels like the theme song of the producers now granted they do play instrumental versions of it throughout the movie right like both the original movie and the later remake so like that's maybe a bad example but like that feels like the theme song to that but it's technically not now you would never hear it on the radio because it's a song right. called springtime for hitler but nevertheless you know it's complicated with ones that were actually turned into yes. a musical now the the second mel brooks movie ever made the 12 chairs has a, a theme song mm. called hope, hope for the best expect the worst and they play the melody of it throughout the movie and the opening of the movie is a credit sequence where they sing the whole song true well but then also going to the monty python movies the, like the theme of monty python and the holy grail i, I don't know what you would say but to me it's dun 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 oh the intermission da, 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 music please for like on yeah the, yeah for anyone who doesn't know, this is a fun yes. story. My freshman year of college, my friends and I watched Monty Python on the Holy Grail and became like minorly obsessed with it for some reason, specifically with that yeah. song. And there was a 10 hour loop or four, yeah, 10 hour loop on um, YouTube that uh, we did listen to um, continuously. My goal was to get through the whole YouTube video at some point. Sure. So we would sit down to eat and I would just play that music and I was really obnoxious about it. It definitely drove my friends Dustin and Liz really insane. Yeah. Um, but if we get to the point where it would be really funny like Liz and I would be lying, Liz was my roommate, um, we'd be lying in bed and then one of us would just start going dun 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 <laughs> like 4am losing our minds. Now real quick, are you sure you're not doing da 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 the stock music, the Spanish flea? Yes, I'm sure. They played in SpongeBob a lot. Yeah. Um, there's definitely what's the other Monty Python song? Um, oh, oh, always, always look on the, the bright side, side of life, which would arguably be parenthesis theme song to the life, life of Brian. Brian. Yeah. If it did not, it did also become like it the became theme a song. musical. It became then. the theme song of everything, kind of. Yeah. Like the theme song of England, maybe because <laughs> they did it at the Olympics. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games, but like back in 2012, but like. They shoot a guy out of a cannon, right? And he's in this like kooky kind of space uniform. They shoot him out of a cannon. The guy lands <laughs> in the center of the arena. And then Eric Idle from Monty Python pops up out of there in the same spacesuit. It's the joke being that it looks like he's been shot out of the cannon. Right. And then to this massive arena, he performs Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, which is apparently the most requested song at British funerals. That's still insanity to it's, me. It literally, it was released on an album called like England, the album. It was some like charity album where they had all these famous English people contribute songs and he did a, a new version of it for that. But like that song is arguably, the, I would say that's the theme song to Life of Brian, even though Life of Brian has a title song called Brian. That's where funny. they go, Brian. It's like a James Bond yeah, song. Yeah, no, but that's definitely. Well, I guess that would Brian. be. See, that's the theme, but it's not like the, the song from, you know, it, that is written as a theme. It's complicated. Sure. I have another. Meaning um, of Life has a pretty good theme song that people don't talk about. It's like a 50s doo-wop <laughs> thing real quick. Just while we're on the Monty Python train. 
Meaning of Life does have a song where it's again Eric Idle is singing it, but he's doing it French, and he just goes, "Why are we here? What's life all about?" <laughs> it's just like a stupid song, and I don't know. I really enjoy it, but that movie has a relatively famous Monty Python song later mm-hmm. in it, which is well, it has a couple. There's a couple musical numbers in that one. There's Christmas in Heaven, mm-hmm. um, and Isn't It Awfully Nice to Have a Penis are both in that film. But the song from that movie that people tend to like know is called the Galaxy Song, and it's this song where Eric Idle lists all these scientific facts about the universe. Mm-hmm. They were thought to be correct at the time; they are not <laughs> known to be correct oh, no. anymore. But that's fine. And it's like that's a song that they did at like their big final touring show and everything. But it's probably the most famous song from that movie. But that movie also has a theme song called Meaning of Life. I think Monty Python is was maybe bad at writing theme songs, but they were great at writing songs that became the theme song of the movie. That's all I'm here to say. What was your next thing? I didn't mean to interrupt for so long. Um, No, you're, you're good. You're good. <laughs> that was so fake. Um, You're good. It's fine. So one of the, another category of this um, is we have so many categories. Like when a well, this is a really one like a pet peeve of mine is when a song is performed in a movie by two actors and then performed like on the soundtrack by like one the actor and a different person. So like for example, in Elf, when um, Zoe Deschanel oh. and Will Ferrell are singing "Baby It's Cold Outside," yeah. but on the soundtrack it's her and the snowman. Um, so also a, a deeper cut is in El Enchanted. Um, at the end of the movie, everybody sings "Don't Go Breaking My Heart," um, and you know it's Anne Hathaway and the Prince. But the song on the soundtrack is by Anne Hathaway and Jesse McCartney, well. who does not play the Prince. Um, so it's that's an interesting category to me. In a just world, he would have. But that's a cover. But still, yeah. You know. Well, still that no. But, but that's interesting. A, yes, point. that's a very interesting small category that just like. One of our stars is kind of a singer, and so they're going to do the song, but the <laughs> other one, but we got the actor to sing it. it. It's odd. It would be like if the soundtrack to La La Land was Emma Stone and then a male recording right. artist. It's very odd. And then what's really weird about The Baby It's Cold Outside is that Will Ferrell's a very good singer. Yeah, like there was like, no he sings reason all the time. he couldn't have done it. Um, yeah. it, it makes me, that makes me mad. Do we think Anchorman has a theme song? They all do that acapella cover of Afternoon Delight. They do. <laughs> Afternoon um, Delight. And then they sing that song when they're having sex, when they ride that animated pony. What what films? What mess? And then Anchorman pieces. 2 has many songs, <laughs> some of which do not appear in the theatrical version of the film, such as That's the Gay Way, which is only performed <laughs> just only performed in the extended edition of the film. But in the regular version of the movie, they still sing a lot. They do. I um, don't know. I this is borderline <laughs> racist. Uh, no. Borderline musical, yes. um, be- because it's animation. Um, but I'm gonna give a shout out to it anyway. The song um, <laughs> "Let It Grow" from Molly, Lorax. Stop! It's a musical. Stop it! it. I, stop I just want to shout it, it out. It's one of my favorite songs. So oh for those of you who didn't see my tweets on Earth Day, no one's seeing your tweets on Earth Day. I wanted to shout out to the world to remember the three R's by Mitchell Musso and Schoolhouse Rock. And um, Let It Grow from the Lorax, two of my faves. Let's make one thing absolutely clear. The Lorax <laughs> blows, and you're wrong. The music from it's fun. It's a musical, you fucking it goober. Is. We're not it, talking about musicals. I know, but I wanted to let There's the too many original know. songs written for movie musicals. I we know. I just, I needed, to, I needed to throw it out to the world. I don't know. I'm never going to get a Lorax-centric episode. I think that we might be sort of 
not treading old ground here, but other people have definitely noticed this kind of phenomenon because yeah. there's a joke about it in there's the Saturday Night Live sketch where Bill Murray used to play a lounge singer, which in the 70s was all you needed for a joke because I've watched those sketches and spoiler alert, he doesn't tell any fucking jokes. The whole sketch is just that he's a lounge singer. Like, it's amazing how primitive comedy was. It was literally just like, literally, like the whole sketch yeah. is just him going like, hey, how you folks doing? You here from Aspen? All right. Star Wars. Like, that's such a famous bit is him singing the words to the Star Wars theme. Right. It's... That's the whole joke. Like I thought, like oh, surely this sketch has another level. No, no, it's that's just the joke. like, isn't it funny that he's singing words to songs that don't have words? But here's the thing: is that sometimes he does just sing real songs. So it's not even like the whole time he's doing that bit. Anyway, right. he did a bit in one of them where he sings what he calls the love theme from Jaws, <laughs> and it's I, he did this during the 40th anniversary. Uh, special where he just goes jaws and then it's da 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 get away from me jaws <laughs> and it's that's really funny I but it's that. also funny because we all kind of know the 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 scheme of calling something parenthesis yes. love theme from jaws like somehow we all know that wording so this is something right real quick movie that has a theme song that probably shouldn't the movie Armageddon where mm. the astronauts have to blow up the asteroid before kills yeah, the that's earth. a random one that's don't want to miss a thing by aerosmith is the theme song to armageddon i think about that all the time don't theme song men in black we are the men in black molly that's we stop the the name of the episode isn't what are obvious theme songs <laughs> just saying that's like ghostbusters i know but it felt weird to not mention it at all what? <laughs> Not a day goes by where it's not weird to mention the Men in Black song, but I don't do it. Yeah. It would be I, weird I, if, like, what I'm trying to think of, like, is, like, when a movie inappropriately has a theme song, kind of. Like, like I feel like Lincoln would have had one, you know? Or, like, the movie Selma has a theme song. Why? The, the movie I, Selma about Martin Luther King has a theme song. I don't think that's widely known enough as a theme song. That's why John Legend won his Oscar. Oh. So... Well, what do I know? I'm not yeah. cultured. Look, all I'm saying is sometimes movies don't need a theme, you know? I'd agree. Does Lee Daniels the butler have a theme? It feels like it would. Pro most movies probably have some type of theme, but then is there like just an instrumental theme? Because that's a whole no, different I'm thing. No, I'm talking about song, theme like a theme yeah. song, you know? Well, let us know, folks, your favorite movie theme song slash movie performances we covered yeah. a lot talk about tweet us about songs and movies give me something give me in. a song that isn't the theme of a movie but it's like just a song that someone wrote for a movie it's weird why do we do this oh i wish i could remember remember i had that whole thing with the get a clue music where like that lady was singing that song i'm gonna guys this is not coherent to you but I had a really amazing discovery about the Get a Clue soundtrack, and maybe I'll come back at it next time, but I don't have it. What's the song that Nickelback wrote for Spider-Man? I, I don't know. This is a hero can save us. I don't know. Is that it, or is it There Goes My Hero? Which one is... There goes Yeah, what's, what's my that hero. song from? Who sings that? Is that Nickelback? <laughs> I think it might be Nickelback. It Watch your massive flies. Because there's also... There goes no, because it's that, and then there's uh, we should have faded out a long time ago. But yeah, make sure you listen to the pants are too tight. What's our wrap up? Oh, that's right. Every episode of this podcast ends with our famous catchphrase, Molly. 
the sun is the bright and, and the, the powder's bitching. <laughs> you got there halfway through, baby. I did. I remember. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Uh, Leanne, Please tweet us. Please enjoy the remix from <laughs> the Fockers. Little, little Fockers. Little Fockers, Jack Thank Burns. Thank you. Burns, Jack Burns. My father-in-law. My father-in-law. Burns, Jack Burns. Candidate for the drug. Obsessed with sex. Burns, Jack, Jack, Jack Burns. Not, not, not getting it up. Not Jack Jack, Jack, Jack Burns. Talk about sexual frustration. Burns. Obsessed with boobs. He could breastfeed his grandson. Jack Burns. Mannery gland. Couple of tugs off the thing himself. Hey, Bocker. I got nipples. Whoa. Hey, Bocker. I got nipples. Okay. Hey, Bocker. I got nipples. Wow. Can you milk? Can you milk? Can you milk me? The circle of trust goes round and round. Jack. Circle of trust goes round and round. Burns. Circle of trust goes round and round. Jack. Hello. Hot little number he's got named Jinxie. Hey, I was talking about you. Named Jinxie. Whoa. Hot little number he's got named Jinxie. Wow. Jinxie cat, Jinxie cat, I love you. <laughs> the Godfather.